are listening to Castles and Cryptids, where the castles are haunted and the cryptids are cryptic as fuck. I'm Alana. <laughs> and I'm Kelsey. And the time loops are also real AF. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. We finally escaped. We've emerged on the other side. And we... Don't jinx it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We hopefully sound better, possibly. Yeah. We're working on also a journey of upgrading our audio so we can be more pleasant to your ears. <laughs> yeah, we're getting microphones for better sounding recording. We're using a different <laughs> recording tool, like Sight. It's really uh, from the ground up operation. Yeah. <laughs> piece by piece. <laughs> Yeah, what do they say? It's It all came together very organically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like podcasts. Hey, do you want to do a podcast? Oh my god. <laughs> You're cool. When people ask me, oh, how did you get in, like, people at work, they're like, how did you get into podcasting? And I just go, oh, my best friend asked, said she wanted to do a podcast, and I was the only one that didn't just say no. I said maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, next thing you know, that we were planning sounds- a podcast. <laughs> like oh shit <laughs> it is it's often why is it always the one that's gonna strong arm the other like i heard that about my the first two ones i binged were and that's why we drink and then wine and crime and i know on and that's why we drink m asked christine and christine was immediately like anxiety i don't know i don't know i'm gonna lay in bed i don't want to have a podcast and then her like husband now husband was like you need a hobby <laughs> so oh they did God. it but like well like they're kind of like us like we're good friends now uh, from you know after working together and stuff but at the same time it's not like we grew up together so we still kind of like you get to like learn a little bit about each other along the way (laughs) and i love them and also the wine and crime it's always Kenyon who's like i had nothing else to do and i made the other two do it (laughs) yeah but it was funny because i've got like the same kind of reaction out of everybody. I'm like, yeah, I just said maybe. I didn't say no. Like, flat out no. <laughs> so guess what? I'm a co-host of a podcast now. <laughs> and that we're having fun. That mind needed. <laughs> we're having fun. I'm enjoying that it. that real hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I think we. Sh- this is probably what people are, like, wondering um, in the first episode. And we're like, hey, by the way, we just decided to get around to tell you why we let- got into podcasting. Yeah, you made it this Which... far. You earned it. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, some of you may know if you've listened to any other ones, which some people do, which is encouraging. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Besides my family. <laughs> who they I'm give also great grateful feedback. that they listen. This is true. Yeah. (laughs) And I can embarrass them if I really want to. Um, But. (laughs) Oh, shit. What was I going to (laughs) say? Oh, yeah, because I I didn't really listen to podcasts before 2019. I like had just downloaded Spotify. I was working in travel. you know, it's like, oh, Spotify, TikTok, Snapchat, all the kids are talking about all these Instagram. And I was like, I want to check it out. Well, in my 20s, I had a kid, right? So it kind of like got away from some of the stuff that I could have been doing, right? So I was kind of like, yeah, I want to check this stuff out. I want to be hip. <laughs> yeah. Ne- 
you're the one that's older than me and you're the one that's all about TikTok and Instagram and I'm the one that's like sitting over there on YouTube and Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, it's this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't understand yeah. what you're talking about. Even though you're but six years though, older than me, it's so funny. It makes me laugh every time because I'm like, I'm like the boomer. <laughs> and I'm so, I feel so out of touch with everything though. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. The first, honestly, the first podcast I listened to was probably, well, Pat had put on Joe Rogan like a bunch of times on TV, like on YouTube, yeah. on his Xbox. I like Joe Rogan. Don't anybody ever going to tell me he's not a good interviewer because he has on interesting people because that's why some people don't like some of his guests because they're controversial because they're, you know, have different opinions and what's, what's an interview you know, podcast about if you're not asking people what they think about things, like... <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of boring um, if everybody you talk to has the exact same opinion as you. Yeah, and totally makes for, like, totally biased viewing, where you're like, yeah. oh, it's Fox News, so it's gonna be this political leaning, or whatever. <laughs> exactly, like, and you already know. To... Yeah, and then honestly, I had only listened to... There's one called Why Won't You Date Me by Nicole Byer. She actually hosted that Nailed It show, and she's been on a few, um, like, yeah. movies. She's acts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, she was on never to. The Good Place as the postman oh, yeah. person in charge of that. She was so funny. Yeah, in charge of that weird little place, right? That, like... Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's all kind of like purgatory, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, like, I go move to a different department, and all of a sudden, I've got a longer commute. I have like <clears> this <throat> whole work day where I like can listen to music or podcasts, and then, you know, people at work or friends are like, "Yeah, I like to listen to true crime podcasts," and then it's like, "Bam, that's all it takes," and I'm off and I'm running and I'm listening to <laughs> podcasts and I'm falling in love with it, and there you have it. <laughs> yeah, and then. By you listening to podcasts and asking me if I wanted to be in a podcast, you know, I couldn't very well sign up to be a co-host of a podcast having never listened to a podcast, so I... <laughs> I suppose I... it would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I had to listen to at least a couple of them, so I, I found a couple that I really enjoy, um, and we've kind of yeah, plugged I them think... and promoted them before. So. <laughs> Yeah. Whether on purpose or not. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was, it's like, there's some people you were just like, oh, like I have a good friend that I like talking to. And you can't think of anyone else you wouldn't want to just like sit down and shoot the shit with. And then maybe other right. people want to listen to it too. <laughs> well, considering the fact that you and I, you know, at the last job when we worked together, we were seeing each other every day and the amount of times we got in trouble for talking too much during the day. And then COVID <laughs> happened and we didn't get to see each other every day and we were kind of starting to lose touch, unfortunately, because we both have like busy lives and it's fairly easy when you're not like actively put in a situation of like being with somebody every day to like kind of so suddenly true. realize, oh, it's been a month since I texted you like and stuff. Exactly. You really got to work at it. Yeah. Yeah. So this was our scheduled forced friendship. <laughs> this podcast <laughs> it maintains it because you know i i left the company we worked for and you transferred departments so even if we were still 
even if I was still with the company, we wouldn't be working together. Yep, and that's, yeah, there's a few friends with uh, the same thing, that were in my department, even, like, you and I were never in the same department, but it's like, I talked to them less, and honestly, I, I, yeah, it's like you said, I did ask (laughs) my sister, because I thought I had, like I told you, I thought I had asked you pretty early on, and that I, everybody was giving me the kibosh, is what I remembered, so I was like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, my sister, but she's then she's like, I'm kind of busy, and then it's like, okay, well, there's only a few people that I really enjoy talking to. It was like you <laughs> and maybe um, a couple other friends that we worked with. Um, I don't know, I'll, like I'll just say their first names, just Taylor and Michelle, uh, and yeah. like, those are the only people I could ever think of. Like at least you know, like even having on as guests, or if someone didn't want to do it with me full time, because it's a big commitment. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy we're here. <laughs> yeah, happy we're here. So are you ready to depress us? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you already know what my case is. You knew what my you knew probably the details of my case before I knew the details of my case. I picked my case based on a short little blurb. <laughs> I could never. I well, I could do the blurb, but then I'd have to skim read at least an article before I'd commit to it, you know? Let's just say I found the most detailed fucking article on the universe, and it was my <laughs> only source, and it was 18 pages long. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. To be fair, yours is, a, I think, a fairly well-known case. I, but... yeah, I don't think with this one I looked up the girl's, the the person's name. Typically when I choose my case, I google like a couple different names and then i'll google it with podcast attached to it and i'll check to see if it has like less than 15 (laughs) episodes um and then i'll see like the episode lengths and then like sometimes when we're doing like this is the germany true crime episode so typically what i'll do is i'll look and see okay we're like all of these in another language or that were they done in english because that's different too like maybe only two podcasts in english have talked about it but 20 of them in german have talked about it so it's like Mm -hmm. okay then it's pretty safe because not a lot of people have a english recording of this case you know Mm -hmm. yeah and anything's going to be more well known in its country of origin for sure yeah Yeah. so that's the method to my madness of choosing cases (laughs) Okay, and when, guys, okay, we'll tell you in a minute, we'll get to the case, but <laughs> to be fair, I was like, what are you doing so I don't do it? And then she said what, what the name of it, and I was like, ooh, that's a dark one, because I remember <laughs> seeing it when I was looking for a case and going, oh, I think that sounds maybe sort of familiar, like, let's check that one, what it is, and then yeah. I'm like, yep, okay, I remember that, can't forget that easily, so... If you like trigger warnings or not, <laughs> this one's gonna be that's gonna be a rough one. But then mine is gonna lighten us up a little bit, a little bit at the end. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try anyway. <laughs> yeah, I even have some fun facts, so we'll see. Wonderful. <laughs> I I didn't get around to looking up any fun facts about Germany this time, so. <laughs> but oh no, all good. But yeah, yeah. I'm glad one of us has some fun facts. <laughs> We can end the episode on a lighter note than my downward spiral is going to be. Yes, we, we're going to keep our German listeners. We're going to... We love them. We've had German enlist, Germany listeners. Um, German listeners for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun watching the different countries show up on our, our listening map and be like, oh, we got another yes. one. Alana always messages me. 
Yeah. Just the bur- latest two are Poland and Brazil. Yeah. What, what? Hey, guys. Thank you. Shout out. If you're still here, if you didn't just listen to one and then leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who are you covering today? My girl is uh, named Ursula Herrmann is also referred to in Germany at least um because I feel like there's quite a few that have this moniker but she's called the yeah. girl in the box yeah yeah it's just not good news however way you strike it yeah you can already imagine like what happens so as I said I got I'm not even gonna like sugarcoat it all of my information is from mm-hmm. a article by the Guardian um, it's an online article okay. by Zan Rice. And nice. I mean, that's like a newspaper, so yeah, that's a good source. I like Googled, made sure like Guardian is respected. It was 18 pages long. It literally went through the entire case. It had great pictures. So my entire segment is shout out to Zan Rice. You did an amaz- amazing job. Cool. Um, so the article yeah. title is The Girl in the Box, The Mysterious Crime That Shocked Nor... That shocked Normandy. Oh my god. That shocked Germany. <laughs> it's okay. At some point I was going to talk about how Rain... I think... Did I mention this before? That Rain used to say Germish? Yes. <laughs> I, I think you have. did mention that before. I like to embarrass people. No. <laughs> For this, I'm not just reading the article they wrote. I did have to summarize it because as I said, it was 18 pages. So... Well, we're glad that you did. (laughs) Yeah. So, the setting, it, we start off, it's the Alpine foothills in the far south of Germany, and there is a lake there called the Ammersee. And on this lake, it's kind of, like, surrounded by wealthy families, and these families have, like, surrounding the lake their, like, second homes, as well as, like, their vacation cabins and homes, that kind of area. So it's, like, a lot of really rich people living around, like, a lake area. So that's pretty typical, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, seasonal um, populations and stuff. Yeah. That are only there part of the time. Yeah. So there's two villages in the, at the north, I believe it's the north of the lake, called Ecking am Amersey, and the other one is called Skondorf. Um, so these two villages are separated by like a huge section of thick spruce trees and there's kind of like a little path that runs from one to the other along the side of the lake. Okay. Yeah, so people use like this path for like mountain biking, jogging, they use the forest for hunting, jogging, mountain biking, everybody's just kind of everywhere because it's a pretty like low-key area, I'd say. (laughs) Um, Sorry, I can't hear low-key. Without hearing Loki. I haven't watched, I watched it yet. the finale last night. I know, I haven't watched any of it yet. No spoilers, please. It's okay. like the one Marvel TV show I'm probably actually going to watch, because I love Loki. <gasps> oh, <laughs> they finally yeah, did it. We don't want to start to... Oh, really? Okay, yeah. and then also... I watched Black Widow, Black Widow this week too, twice already. Oh, oh so my god! Bad. Okay, <laughs> that's good to hear because I'm not the hugest, mm-hmm. biggest fan of like Black Widow or the anything main like Marvel. That. Yeah, 
Yeah, I remember you would go see, like, the Guardians ones with me, but not all the rest of them, which is fair. Yeah. I, I get it. Whatever. It's not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't tend to like the drama, like, action-y ones. I like the ones where, like, at least a couple of the main people are, like, extremely funny. So, like, I love the Ant-Man ones. I like the, um, yeah, the Garden Guardians of the Galaxy ones. All those kind of things. You're, re- you're a real sucker for Baby Groot. <laughs> yeah. I do. I have a, a picture of Baby Groot. I have a Baby Groot stuffy. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. Yeah, I have his... a Groot on my desk that I'm looking at right now. <sighs> like, he's a stand-up... Oh, I... I don't know. I have a little bobblehead of him, too, cardboard. that's like a pop vinyl. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. I, mine's like a cardboard um, stand-up thing. I don't know where it's from. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Anyway, back <laughs> to my depressing story. Uh, <laughs> Ursula Harriman. Great. Yeah. Ursula Harriman <laughs> was the youngest of four kids. Um, her mother, I couldn't find, like, names of her most of her siblings or her parents, which I thought was kind of strange, um, in this article at least. Okay. But it did state that her mother was a housewife, her father was a teacher in town, and Ursula was described as intelligent and energetic. She loved to paint and sing. Aww. Yeah, so that's a bit of background that they had for her. But on Tuesday, September 15th in 1981, it was the first day of a new school year for Ursula, and she was 10 years old. She was coming home to Ecking from school... Um, so her family lived in Ecking. I believe her school was in Amherst. So she was going through the path, um, to get home to Ecking. Um, so then after she got home, she went to her piano lesson with her oldest brother, Michael. And then from there, after her piano lesson, she rode her bike down the lakeside path to her gymnastics lesson in Skondorf. And after she went through her lesson, and then after that, she went to her cousin's house and had dinner. So it sounds like she had a very busy day for a 10-year-old. No, you got gymnastics, you got school, you got piano lessons, then you go to your cousin's to play and have dinner. Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, a busy first day of school. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So at 7.20, Ursula's mother called the house and spoke to the aunt and asked her to send Ursula home as it was just starting to get dark. Like, it was still fairly light out and the bike ride between the houses would only take 10 minutes. But she wanted her daughter to be home before it started getting actually dark out at all. Mm -hmm. 30 minutes later, her Ursula's mother called again and said that Ursula was not home and that the and at that time is when the aunt told her that Ursula had actually left her house 25 minutes ago. So because it was a 10 minute bike ride, she definitely should have been home by now. Wow, so they caught yeah. on pretty quick that she wasn't where she was supposed to be. Exactly. Um so after this Ursula, Ursula's father went to the forest separating the two towns and met with the her uncle And they both started searching. They were calling out for her, looking up and down all the paths. Neighbors and police and firefighters also started searching the forest and ended up searching, like, bodies of water in the area. 
at close to midnight, so this would be about almost five hours later, in quite heavy rain, the searchers were led about 20 minutes or sorry, 20 meters off of the pathway from the lake, and they ended up finding Ursula's red bike that she had been riding on, like, a path, off the path. It wasn't even found on the path. It was off the path. Well, that's not good. No. Um, So at dawn, um, so they kind of suspended the search, it seems, then. But at dawn, even more people joined the search, and... The grounds of a private school, Landheim Skondorf, ended up being searched as well. And this was like a rich private school. Uh, Mm -hmm. A helicopter as well as a police boat helped search the lake along with some some divers that actually went into the water. During this time, local radio stations ran missing persons alerts and notified that Ursula was four foot seven with short blonde hair, was last seen wearing green, dark green pants, and a gray wool cardigan, and red-brown sandals. Aw, so little. Yeah. So, Thursday morning, 36 hours after Ursula went missing, the Harriman family got a phone call at home. On the other end, there was kind of a patch of silence before this strange jingle played, And they ended up realizing after it played a couple times that it was actually a jingle for a local traffic bulletin um, from a radio station. And after this jingle played, there was another patch of silence, and then the jingle played again before the caller just suddenly hung up, which was all really, really strange. So creepy. Yeah. Just really weird. Especially if it's like an upbeat kind of music. Like, you know how, like, Insidious, they have the tiptoe through the tulips, and it should be so happy, but it's not. (laughs) Yeah. Within a few hours, they had received three more of these phone calls, all the same thing happening. The jingle keeps playing. And the local police at this time were actually stationed outside and were already starting to record all of the phone calls that they were receiving. Okay. Yeah. The next day after that... Um, so this would be probably about 48 hours she's missing. Um, they receive a letter that was marked urgent. And inside this letter was a ransom note that was made out of newspaper clippings and was kind of stated in broken German. Um, so they just kind of, like, cut out letters and words from newspapers, magazines, and, like, glued it to paper. Just cliche ransom note stuff. Right. Yeah, it is. How unoriginal, guys. Right. (laughs) Um, A picture of it will be on the website as well. In the the broken German that they had, because it wasn't, like, proper German reading it, um, it did say, and this was a translation, we kidnapped your daughter. If you ever want to see your daughter alive again, then pay two million Deutschmarks ransom. Mm -hmm. Which I tried looking up, so Deutschmarks aren't, like, a legal currency anymore. They've been defunded. But it would okay, have been... Okay, yeah, they probably go by the euro. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't get, like, a kind of right currency exchange for what it would be. But at that time, that mm-hmm. would have been about $1.5 million Canadian. Right. I was yeah. going to say, it's fairly close to a... 
Yeah. Our dollar. (laughs) Yeah. Um, American dollar, whatever. Yeah. The letter was supposed to have arrived the day before. Um, so within, like, the 36-hour mark or so of her being kidnapped, or at least the 24-hour mark, and explained that the kidnappers were going to call and play that jingle that they were playing. And the letter went on to say, Just say if you will pay or not. If you call the police or do not pay, we will kill your daughter. And that was the end of the note. Oh my god. But you didn't give them time. They came too late. Yeah, the letter, it didn't, the article I read, it didn't really say why this letter arrived later than the phone call started happening. Because the letter was marked urgent, I assume it was an issue with, like, the post office and delivery. So yeah, really, what year is this? Oh my Sorry. God. It's just like... 1981. Holy. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah. yeah. So no cell phones, but they could have just called and like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. You're, yeah, the ransom note isn't that uncommon, I guess, but it just seems like a really... Yeah, because they're already plan. calling. Like, why wouldn't you call and give the information and then keep calling? Because they're already making calls, yeah. too, right? You gotta, if this is a riddle, you got to give me a chance to solve it. Yeah. So, obviously, with the information they received from the ransom letter, the next time the phone rang and the jingle played, Ursula's mother just flat out immediately agreed to pay the ransom. And she asked for proof of life for her daughter. And through this, she asked for the nicknames that her daughter had for her two stuffed toys. And unfortunately, at the other end of the phone line, there was no reply, and the mother started yelling, talk to me, say something, something from Ursula. And from the information I saw, the phone just got disconnected on her. Oh, yeah. That's rough. Just horrifying. Mm-hmm. On Monday, September 21st, Ursula now has been missing for six days. The Herman family receives another letter that was put in the mail the day that they agreed to pay the ransom. So now this letter itself is like another four days late, which is just stupid. This letter, Uh, right? uh, So you know the first letter got delayed and they figured out it got delayed by like at least a whole day and now they send another letter and then this letter gets delayed by like three or four days. Like, oh. They're clearly dumbasses. Yeah. So this letter they received was... It included, like, a lot of strange and specific directions on how the Harriman family was supposed to pay the ransom. So they were supposed to pay it in 100 Deutschmark bills that were supposed to be left left inside of a suitcase. And this suitcase was supposed to be left at a location that was for some reason supposed to be chosen by Ursula's father, which I find kind of strange that Ursula's father would get to choose the drop-off location, but okay. And Uh, isn't that so strange? I feel like that never happens. Yeah, so you already know, like, something fishy's going on, especially also because they couldn't produce her to talk. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, it was supposed to be chosen by Ursula's father, and he was supposed to drive in a yellow Fiat 600, 
So they even specified the vehicle, and he they specified the speed that he was supposed to drive. So he was supposed to drop this vehicle off at a location of his choice, driving a yellow Fiat 600, going slower than 90 kilometers an hour. Those were their details. Which, yeah, it just seems so I irrelevant. it. I hate yeah. them. It's I so hate stupid. And the parents, they're so desperate, they're going to want to believe anything. Right? Yeah, because it's their kid. So yeah. that... I can't stop sighing. I'm sorry. It's just, <gasps> I know. This is a bummer. We're not going to be able to make this oh, one a comedy, guys. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, the Hareman family, it's actually kind of surprising that they lived at this lake residence to begin with because they weren't actually very wealthy. Not like the other rich people that lived around that lived in like vacation homes and second homes. They were actually only able to live there because a family member of her father had bought that land decades earlier, and they were able to build a house on it. Oh, that's how Monica has the big apartment in Friends. Yeah. Grandma used to live there. Yeah. <laughs> Rent control. Otherwise, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a neighbor, on hearing that Ursula was missing and everything, they a neighbor actually ended up raising part of the money out of the two million Deutschmark requested ransom, and the state agreed to pay the rest. And waiting with the collected money that the Herman family had gathered, they waited for any more calls or letters, but nothing ever came. And the police had no leads, and two weeks have now passed, which is oh, just that's not awful. Great. No, it's not looking good. No. The, there's a hundred police officers who are now searching the forest again, and they're searching with ten sniffer dogs. The forest is divided into four parts, um, and then these four parts are kind of divided into sm even smaller grids, and each of these grid sections is searched one by one with volunteers and police and the dogs, and they're searching with metal rods, and they're probing at, like, probing at the ground, because um, it is a forest. On the fourth day of searching the forest and the 19th day that Ursula is missing, at 9.30 a.m. there was a shouting. About 800 meters, there is a clearing that's kind of, or sorry, in a clearing 800 meters from the lake path, something solid was found in the ground. The leaves in a layer of clay had been moved, and the police discovered a brown blanket covering what appeared to be a wooden board, and underneath that wooden board was the lid of a box. Okay, okay, I'm ready. Okay. I got my teddy bear, no. <laughs> and this is, so this is everything, so if you guys, I don't know, have claustrophobia, anything, just turn it off now claustrophobia oh, yeah like I, I don't know yeah anyone that listens to true crime basically just like shouldn't need a trigger warning because you know there's going to be violence unfortunately yeah. but it's true i heard someone say that and i was like that's pretty fair <laughs> yeah yeah um but so it sucks. Yeah. the box that they discovered under buried underground was 72 centimeters by 60 centimeters and about the size of like a small coffee table that you'd kind of have in like a living room. It yeah. was painted green and it was locked at the top 
um, so it was kind of buried sideways, I guess, if you're talking about a coffee table, or like the way that somebody could be buried if they're sitting upright inside of it, okay? Um, so inside one of, of the- coffin? Yeah, the top part of it is one of the narrow square parts of it. It's not like layer, lay, I guess what I'm trying to say is she wasn't buried laying down. She was buried sitting up, upright. Um, so the top that they found exposed at the beginning when they found it had seven sliding bolts that kept it locked. And once the lid was forced open, they found the body of Ursula and she was found lifeless stuck inside. So bad. I mean, you know it's coming, but it's still just yeah. like, the poor child did not have to die. No. And it just gets ridiculous from there it this literally makes absolutely no sense um this one probably frustrates me as much as the phoebe hands jack case i'm just gonna say it they're both yeah horrible that's fair yeah i feel you on that one (laughs) continue so (laughs) the family obviously was told the news they weren't participating in the search but they d- did get told the news, and her Ursula's mother was distraught. But at the time, her father only wanted to know if she had suffered. Kind of a little jump ahead just to talk about that is the police did tell him that later in their autopsy, they performed that Ursula had likely died within the first 30 to 30 minutes to five hours of being put inside the blocks. And that they believed that she had been... small mercy. Right? Yeah. They believed that she had been drugged beforehand. So it is very well possible that she, like, never was conscious inside of the box, if that makes sense. Oh, wow. I would like to hang on and believe that's true. I I would too. Yeah. So... Cling to that shred of hope. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I I don't have it in my notes anymore, but I believe what they thought she had been, it was like nitrous oxide or something they believed she had been poisoned or drugged with. Um, so that very oh, well, wow. because she's only 10, it very well could have knocked her out for hours and hours and she would have just suffocated long before then. Right. But the strange thing is, is it appeared that the kidnappers, uh, they had planned to keep her alive. The box design was, like, very well constructed, I have to say, for something you're going to keep a child in. It's kind of insane that they went to these lengths for this. The box, I guess. Yeah. But it can't have all been, or she wouldn't be dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the box itself had a shelf on one side and a seat that doubled as a toilet on the other. Um, So for, like, people that don't look at the diagram it's kind of confusing but I would say just picture a kid sitting at their school desk they have a seat under them that they're sitting at and they have a table right in front of them that's attached together that's pretty much what it was so she was sitting at a like pretty much there was a shelf right in front of her that like hit her at the waist her knees were tucked under it and this seat that she was sitting on also doubled as a toilet yeah yeah that makes sense So, inside the box, along with her, was three bottles of water, 12 cans of Fanta. I drank a can of Fanta today. That is freaking weird. You don't even, 
you don't even see that shit anywhere around here hardly at all. Yeah, it's not very or common. Barbecue at work. Ugh! Sorry, that just spooked me. <laughs> I don't know why that was the only thing that spooked me, but anyway. <laughs> Fanta Phantom. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm oh so sorry. It's a horrible case. And we just, it's one of those where you're a comedy, so you're like, yep, we're gonna try and make this a little better. <laughs> we're gonna try and make you laugh. Oh, so sorry. Three water bottles, six mm-hmm. can, or twelve cans of Fanta, six large chocolate bars, uh, four packages of biscuits oh. or I assume cookies, along and oh. two packs of chewing gum. Which, holy shit! Wow. Um, <laughs> That's just for fun. Yeah, and the what I think is the craziest part. I don't know. Uh, is inside there was also 21 books. Because what 10-year-old doesn't want to read 21 books while being held hostage? I would. I would always want to read rather than just be sitting there with my own thoughts, especially in a scary situation. I but guess. like you said, she might not have even... Yeah. Got, you know, they could have accidentally, like, given her too much of whatever they presumably drugged her with and... It wouldn't have Probably. mattered they anyway. Sound like, yeah, they're idiots. Yeah. <sighs> um. So these twenty-one books, and I have pictures. I'll put on the website of a bunch of like the police photos of all the items, including all of the books that were inside the box. Um. It mm. also includes like a police What's diagram. In the box? Oh my god. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> uh, I'll only do it once, never again. Not this whole episode. Yeah, it also, on the website, we'll have a picture of a police diagram of what Ursula would have, I guess, how she would have been positioned inside, which is how I was able to describe it. It's kind of like being a setup at, like, a school desk kind of thing. Um, It has pictures of the books and then pictures of the food and drinks that they had in there. So, as well, so out of these 21 books, they ranged from Donald Duck comics to westerns. There was romance novels. There was thriller books, including the book called Horror Lurks Everywhere. I don't Um, even know what to make of that, because there's, like, they were trying, but then it's like, why do something so terrible and risky and horrible? Um, Inside the box, there was also a light, as well as a radio that was tuned to the same station that the jingles were used from. Um, and the radio was on. Ew. Yeah, so my biggest thing is, is if she didn't, if she was conscious at any time within the box and that radio was on and they were already running the missing persons alerts, it's very well likely that she could have heard her own missing person alerts, which just makes me horribly sad. Yeah, it's just also unnecessary. Yeah, Yeah, like the meticulous way these people designed all of this stuff, and then the fact that the box had a ventilation system made out of plastic plumbing pipes that went all the way up to ground level. However, in all their planning they had, they were stupid because they failed to provide a machine that would circulate the oxygen in the box, and it was quickly just used up. So... Like, they tried to think of everything, right. but at the same oh, yeah, time... I forgot to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
They, like, didn't circulate the oxygen, which isn't something I would have thought you would have had to do either, but I guess if you're building a box, maybe you figure that shit out. Well, or just, if you're gonna be an asshole and, like, get your money dishonestly, at least fucking rob a bank. Have the decency to only endanger your own life, you fucking idiot. Right? Not a ten-year-old girl trying to ride home from her cousins on a bicycle. No, you guys can just go to hell and burn. (laughs) Right. Uh, Due to the size and weight of the box, however, the police immediately began searching for multiple suspects. Um, In its full construction, it weighed about 60 kilograms and probably would have needed at least two people to carry it into the woods. So much effort. Right? And, like, they buried that thing, presumably, before she even got put in it. So it was, like, 100%. Well, this is clearly premeditated, but... The kidnappers also knew the forest well, as they ended up choosing a very remote area and had managed to avoid attention while digging and being able to set up the box. Wow. So, in the two towns that I mentioned, kids that normally, like, played and stuff outside were now pretty much kept in the sight of their parents and the press coverage in the towns and area was increasing during like all of this pressure ursula's at ursula's funeral that was held her oldest brother michael who at the time was a shy 18 year old he ended up knocking the camera out of a journalist's hand after he had been harassed during the day as well as at her funeral oh poor kid yeah, um, and around this time, a 30,000 Deutschmark reward was offered by police for any information or tips, and a bunch of information and tips did come in. However, they didn't necessarily cover much. Um, about the only one that panned out is one about a gentleman named Werner Mazurek. Okay. So he, at the time, was 31. He was living with his wife and their two children about 100 meters from the Herrmann family. He was a trained car mechanic who had left school at 18, and during this time he ran a TV repair business. He was kind of described by, like, the people around town as, like, pretty imposing and intimidating. He was pretty tall He had, I guess, a beer belly. He was quick-tempered. And, yeah, he was quick-tempered and not really liked in Ecking. So, at the time of Ursula's kidnapping, uh, Mazurek owed more than 140,000 Deutschmark. And he was in debt to, like, a bunch of different places. So, he, he needed money. And he was originally questioned, even before this, like, tip came in, he was questioned even a week after Ursula went missing, and that was before her body was even found. Um, So he was kind of high up on the the police suspects board right away. Top of the list. Yeah. So he initially couldn't recall what he was doing that night, and he took a, a full 24 hours to be able to provide an alibi. He said that he was... And his alibi ended up being that he was playing a board game um, called Risk with his wife and two of their friends. That's his alibi. Hey, nothing wrong with Risk. 
<laughs> no, but that's his oh, alibi wow. that it took him 24 hours to figure out. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. weird. <laughs> but at the time, God. the police did search his house and his workshop, and that brought up, like, nothing to link him with the kidnapping. And later, when Ursula and the box were found, a fingerprint on a piece of duct tape used in the construction of the box like was obtained and thousands of locals including Mazurik were printed um, but nobody matched any of the prints on the duct tape that they located including yeah so he doesn't match so the rest of this is kind of just a mixture of them trying to work this cold case and them just being a shit show um in my opinion yeah even though his prints didn't match, police still really thought he was involved. And in January of 1982, um, so this is, what, September 81, about six months later? Not even. Um, okay. He and two of his friends are arrested and interrogated for several days before being released. Later, an acquaintance of Mazurik was questioned. This man is Klaus... Pfaffinger, or (laughs) Pfaffinger. It's great either way. (laughs) Right. And he confessed that Mazurik had offered him a thousand Deutschmark and a colored TV to go out into the forest and dig a hole. And he said, Klaus says that this was in September of 1981. You know, like just within a week. Um, He claimed that he did in fact dig the hole and that he later went back to the site that he dug the hole in and he had seen a wooden box inside of it. However, when he, the police tried to take him to the scene, like, I guess they kind of took him to the general area where the box was found and were like, okay, take us to where you, like, dug the hole. He couldn't locate the hole and he couldn't figure out where the box was buried and he later, like, withdrew his statement that he or his confession i guess he had made oh wow that's yeah. stupid just another like misdirection yeah that's all they have in this really it's just like ridiculous um in the summer of 1982 about a hundred thousand color posters were put up that were asking for more information and they were distributed nationwide actually um the television program acton's eye xy which is a model for a bbc crime watch and america's most wanted um so that's like the german version kind of actens i xy they had a long episode segment detailing all of the case it was around this time in 1982 the police discovered wire that was strung through the trees which they believed acted as an alert system during the abduction um, but even those leads came to dead ends. Oy vey. Yeah, so her family... What should I say? Scheiße. <sighs> I know absolutely no German, so... Um... Oh, I, okay, I was going to say, I just said that maybe before we started recording, it means shit. <laughs> mm. I had already <laughs> forgotten that. I'm in the zone. <laughs> right. <laughs> So her family, in their, like, grief and everything, never spoke to the press 
um, never did any interviews and refused to let the hunt for the kidnappers consume the family or define their lives. And without anyone to blame, Ursula's mother pretty much blamed herself for not picking up her daughter from her cousins, even though it was just, yeah, even though it was just such a short bike ride. Ursula's father and her sister ended up turning to their faith, while her younger brother ended up kind of like just really getting into surfing. That's the only way they describe him. He surfs. He's the one who surfs. What does Creed Bratton say? If I can't, if I can't go surfing, what is this all then about? (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Probably. Her older brother, I guess after their piano classes, her older brother Michael had actually been out playing music the night Ursula was kidnapped, and after her body was found, he ended up dedicating much of his life to helping search for the people that kidnapped her. Yeah, in the mid two thousand in the mid two thousands case the case and evidence was re reviewed by Bavarian State Office for Criminal Investigations while they were just like standardly going through and reviewing cold cases. At this time the advances that had been made in DNA uh hoped to provide a suspect. They were able to find a few hairs probably like inside the box or attached to more duct tape and actually in 2007 they were able to get a match and this is like just another stupid thing because a match was found from a genetic sample on the screw on the box so I don't know if like the person like maybe cut themselves while it was being screwed in one of the screws or what but they got genetic material from it Um, okay yeah some blood or something yeah Yeah, i assume i'm like what else would you have on a screw right (laughs) sweat dna yeah i don't know if it's trace dna then don't even (laughs) right but (laughs) yeah it but this dna they found in 2007 matched a glass like a wine glass that was found at the penthouse of a wealthy woman that had been murdered in 2006 by her nephew which you think is a promising oh, lead, what? and you'd be really excited. However, her, the nephew that's charged with her murder was only a few years old when Ursula died, and how the sample of his DNA matched the DNA from the screw on the box remains a mystery. They have absolutely no idea how he suddenly got connected to this, because he would have been like two or three when she died. So he clearly did not kidnap her. The only thing I can think of is as a relative, maybe. Right? Interesting. Yeah. I... Well, just wait. You know, that's... That's... Something that we might end up discussing in my segment. Just weird places DNA ends up a bit. Right? (laughs) I don't Um, know what else to say. So, carrying... fucked up. ...on, though, because this whole gong show has not ended it's just gotten more and more stupid no (laughs) yeah um ursula's death has never been deemed a murder and rather it's still listed as a kidnapping with deadly consequences a crime which unfortunately carries a 30-year statute of limitations yeah that's bull while reviewing the old case files klaus paffing (sighs) paffinger 
his name is so hard. Maybe to... it's like Michelle Pfeiffer. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. I don't know. I don't know. It's just P-F-A-F-F-I-N-G-E-R. Pfeiffer. Right. I don't know. It's hard to tell, but the P could be silent. There's no way to Pfeiffer. <laughs> I'll never know. <laughs> so he he if you don't remember he was the one that said that he dug the hole that was used to bury the box oh yeah um so they kind of re-examined him since but unfortunately since the kidnapping he had actually passed away but werner mazurek oh, the gentleman that they had looked at that passed and his dna didn't match before he was still alive, and he was still believed to be the police's best sub- suspect, and they just continually attached him to this crime. Even though he, in my opinion, is completely innocent of it. It's all sorts of, like, grasping at straws. Yeah, I they mean, really just have yeah. nothing to go on. In 2007, he was placed under surveillance. And in October of 2007, his DNA was taken again, and it still didn't match that that was on file. They searched his house, and they found a tape recorder that they believed was used during the phone calls that uh, to record the jingle. And during the trial, they managed to get a random sound expert um, who claimed they were a sound expert to confirm that his tape recorder was in fact the one that was used to make the phone calls which is so stupid wow Um, yeah like you said grasping yeah on may 28 2008 mazurik was arrested he was flown near ecking um ursula's parents didn't want to be part of any of the trials however her older brother michael who is now in his 40s and as I said, dedicated most of his life trying to help search for the kidnappers, he decided he wanted to be involved. And under Germany's legal system, relatives of victims of certain, like, crimes that are deemed serious crimes, they're actually allowed to formally join the prosecution as co-plaintiffs, and which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, so because of this, they're actually given... The right to review all of the evidence presented, they're allowed to request witnesses, and they're even allowed to put questions to the judges. Um, Holy. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I thought that was really cool of them to do. So it's only applicable in, like, certain really serious types of crimes. Okay. Um, during the trial, hmm. Zurich and his wife... Sorry, Mazurik and his wife were... Yeah, Mazurik is the main one. His wife is kind of, they're trying to rope her in as an accessory to the crime um, in their trial that happened in February of 2009. Um, Mazurik just adamantly insisted that he was innocent, but the prosecution used a whole bunch of character witnesses. As I said, people didn't like him in town. Um, so they just brought in a whole bunch of... yeah. They brought in a bunch of different character witnesses to kind of discredit him, saying that he was a person that was capable of committing the crimes and examples they used, which is awful. I guess there was like a puppy 
that he owned that they were trying to train and he got mad at the dog and he ended up locking it inside of a freezer um, where it froze to death as a punishment and he said that he had exiled the dog to Siberia. So mind you, while I think he's innocent of this crime, he is not a good person. Um, I just don't think he kidnapped this girl. Still, fuck. Um, That's true. Yeah, along with the tape recorder, there was also audio recordings of him allegedly discussing the statute of limitations um, that the crime had with a friend, and these recordings were used on trial. So they were discussing the fact that it had a 30-year statute of limitations and that that was coming up soon. They also presented mm-hmm. that he had the motive um, to commit the crime because he was in debt, and due to his mechanic work and stuff, he likely had the knowledge and ability to build the box. Prosecutors also used even the recanted statement of Pfaffinger, or Faffinger, I don't know. They used his recanted statement to say that he had deliberately led the police away from the box location and they tried to say that he was actually an excellent actor and a practiced swindler um when in reality he's pretty much just a drunk who is experiencing hallucinations um and his wife said that they're only suspect yeah just like well we better do whatever we can i mean yeah that's that's what it sounds like yeah, so they're saying Pfaffinger, like, he would have been too lazy to dig up the hole in the forest, even for any sort of pay, like, payment um, that Mazurk would have possibly offered him. As I said, he was drunk, he had hallucinations, stuff like that. But unfortunately, even with, like, all this random, just hodgepodge of evidence thrown to trial, Mazurk was actually found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment. Which is awful. It's just like, the worst part is that if that's the case, then, you know, people will stop looking. Exactly. So the wife was acquitted, and as you mentioned, yeah, people stopped looking. Really, everybody stopped looking and just accepted this, except for Michael, her older brother. As I said, he studied music, he was a music teacher, he ended up, after her death, when he was older, he had opened a music store... And he didn't believe the tape recorder evidence, um, and as co-plaintiff in the trial- That doesn't sound like evidence. (laughs) Right? It's just one person's opinion. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. As co-plaintiff, he used his full access to the case files, and that gave him access to tens of thousands of pages, which he, like, methodically organized and, like, regularly reviewed- all the evidence, everything, and he actually, because he was only 18 at the time, and this had happened so long ago, he used the documents to remind himself of how his little sister was and remembered details that he had forgotten about her, and this had helped him kind of become more determined to not let another person's life be destroyed. So what they discovered through, like, Michael's work was that the tape recorder or the reel-to-reel um, that they said Mazurik owned, that they linked to him in the crime. They said that was too bulky, and it would have been very difficult to carry that to the payphones where these ransom calls were made from. And after Michael told 
like court this. Um, Michael's lawyer actually asked him to stop um, investigating and being involved with the case because he was now kind of on the side of the defense, which is strange because his DNA doesn't match, his fingerprints don't match due to his like background oh, in music. Well, he's just on the side of justice then. Yeah. Like- so about six months after the trial that happened, uh, Michael's lawyer told him to stop Instead, Michael ended up writing a letter to the court calling the sound expert's report on the tape recording to be one-sided and that was incomplete. And he also addressed the court saying that he wasn't convinced of Mazurik's guilt or that he was innocent. Uh, Six months after the trial in 2010, Michael, Ursula's brother, ended up developing tinnitus which prevented him from sleeping or working as a music teacher, and doctors ended up determining that this was related to the stress from the trial. Which, good on him, because he took a very unique way to deal with this tinnitus problem. Which I thought was just kind of crazy. But he actually used it as an opportunity to sue Mazurik in 2013 in like a small court um, for a civil claim for damages caused by his tinnitus. As I said, he couldn't sleep. He was having problems sleeping. He was having problems working as a music teacher. But this like small claim was actually kind of like a, a ruse or like smoke and mirrors because it actually forced the court at the time to re-review and reconsider all the facts of the criminal trial of Ursula's kidnapping before they could in fact deem that Mazurik was responsible for Michael's tinnitus. So he kind of like forced the court's hand to re-review all the evidence, right? (laughs) So like they had wrapped it all up. Because he was suing his sister's supposed kidnapper. So they had to reprove, (laughs) right? They had to, like, reprove at a trial that Mazurik was responsible for Ursula's kidnapping before they could confirm that he was also then responsible for the tinnitus. So they've been kind of going back and forth with this for, like, many years. There's been, like, linguistics experts which have said that the ransom notes don't really match Mazurik's style of writing, and that the kidnappers, they believe, are actually very well educated, and that they are, like, fluent German speakers, but in their broken, um, like, broken German ransom letters, they're actually pretending to be a foreigner that's attempting to speak German. Well, could be. Yeah, they think that's kind of like a, a mislead. Yeah, Mazurik remains in prison trying to prove his innocence, Um, he's even tried to hire a private investigator to track down the person that originally sold him that tape recorder they found, um, because he wasn't able to try and locate them himself. But Michael, in, like, all his research, he has actually memorized the location of all the spots, um, related to the case, including where, like, his sister's bike was found, where the box was found, um, where on the path that she was riding her bike, where she was possibly taken, As I mentioned before, they found 140 centimeters of bell wire that was found strung through the trees next to the path, and that led to exactly where Ursula's bike was found. So police believe that one person waited close 
to the path like hidden and they alerted the other person that she was approaching with like a bulb or a buzzer at the end of the wire so they were pretty like smart in what they were doing oh i thought you were gonna say they used it like a trip wire no bike no they had some sort of like light or like sound machine at the end that's weird like why why so elaborate right so elaborate but you don't have an air circulation system and she fucking suffocates like not one that worked anyway because you're not freaking engineers obviously give her 21 books okay and one stupid thing is like with all the people in the area including like people out walking joggers cyclists even hunters that were in the area of the forest on the day of the disappearance Almost none of them were actually ever really fingerprinted. Um, okay. Yeah, which I find kind of stupid. It's probably because they're all rich and lawyered up fucking immediately. Uh, I don't know. I guess it'd be like you couldn't know everybody that just walked through there that day. That'd be hard. Yeah. I don't know. They think one of the kidnappers may be a little bit younger because there was, you know, the like um, impression pads that they do where you would just like. I guess with a pencil, you just, like, run over a pad of paper, and it shows, like, the impressions of what was, like, written on it before. With a piece of paper that was left in the box, they found by doing that, there was an impression of a something called the mathematics probability tree that was taught to teenagers in Germany, and that was found on a paper in the box, um, an impression of it at least. Um, so that led them to think maybe... What? Yeah, right? Like a teenager being involved? That just makes it even more confusing. And then how they were oddly specific about the vehicle that Ursula's father was supposed to drive to the ransom drop-off. The Fiat six, the bright yellow Fiat 600. This vehicle is actually specifically driven by one of the main characters in one of the comic books that was actually put in the box. And it was actually a very, very rare vehicle in Germany. And this suggests that the kidnappers may have known about the car from the comic. But again, this was a lead that didn't really go anywhere. Um, Yeah, maybe they're just trying to stall having named an expensive car. Yeah. Take them a long time to get. Um, My last little bit is that Ursula's father died a long time ago. Um, her mother ended up moving the rest of the family out of the town, but her younger brother, again, I couldn't get a name, um, her younger brother, who is the one that took to, like, surfing, he still lives at the family house, and it says that he often, like, opens it up to, like, refugee families and sponsors them, which is pretty cool. The family doesn't really talk to reporters or give any interviews. However, Michael says that they're all fully supportive of his efforts to find the real kidnappers and that he will never give up his private quest. As of 2018, when the article I discovered was written, the case was not being reopened by any police district despite any new evidence that would come to light. And then as of today, in my Google search I did, in 2021, the case remains unsolved, unfortunately. Thanks, I hate it. Right? (laughs) It is, it's awful. Just the worst. It is, it's like a horror movie with a really bad ending. 
Right? It's like, oh, have you ever seen Buried or whatever it's called with Ryan Reynolds? And the whole time he's on the cell phone and he's like yeah. talking to someone, but they can't figure out where he is. And by the time they think they find him, you can probably guess. <laughs> yeah, I watched it at your place. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah, I remember watching that in your basement. I'm great at remembering things. <laughs> Was I there? No. <laughs> I I'm pretty sure we were. Slept. I'm pretty sure we were no. both intoxicated and we were drifting in and out of consciousness. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. A little sleepover, a little yeah. yeah. Movie night that turns More into movie. naps yeah. on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> a nap on the couch night. Man, that was good though. That was really good. You did a Thanks. good job on that. Yeah, I really, again, all the kudos go out to the Guardian article, The Girl in the Box, The Mysterious Crime That Shocked Germany, written by Zan Rice. So, because all the information came from there. There was 18 pages, and I narrowed, and I just presented six, and there was 18 pages. (laughs) I got rid of 12 pages of information, guys. We get it. You did reading. Good job. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. I did a shit ton yeah. of editing just to get it to the bare minimum of what I could do. Yeah. But yeah, right, we're going to exactly. take a quick break. Well, yeah. you guys listen to no sponsors because we don't have any. <laughs> That's right. We're pure. <laughs> yeah. Now you have to listen to 18 ads. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. Somebody sponsor us. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sell out real quick. <laughs> yeah. Our our episodes will be 10 oh, minutes right. long or like an hour long and it'll be like 10 minutes of recording and 50 minutes of ads. <laughs> this hour has 22 minutes, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Welcome to the second half of True Crime Germany. Yeah. <laughs> We had to take a little break in recording, but we're with you now. <laughs> yeah. A short break, re-record part two of Two seconds a... for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We have a short break. <laughs> we had to re-record a part of a different episode before we got back to this episode, so we're all over the place. <sighs> Shit is real. <laughs> but the good news is, um, yeah, we are hopefully have a little bit of a better audio quality, which yeah. you might notice, hopefully hopefully we, it does sound better, and that's because we're trying to improve, so that's why. <laughs> and we are excited so earlier today, because we got a logo done, so if you saw that and yeah. like that online, thanks. Yeah, because yeah, definitely by the time this comes out, it'll have been out for a couple weeks, but yeah, we're really excited. It was, it came out really good. I was really pleased with the results, and like, we just gave them a idea of what kind of we wanted it to look like and it's yeah it did a really good job yeah they sent us a bunch of different versions of it and for like all the banners all the icons all the different formats a whole bunch of different sizes just really good job we're real podcasters now yeah <laughs> they updated the website too so that looks Ooh. different yeah. Squatchy Squatch. Oh yeah, that's what I was just, I was just talking to um, our friend there, like I was just telling you, 
and he was like, oh, yeah, I love your new logo, but your, um, he said, like, your stepdad won't like it, and I go, oh, you mean Claude? Like, he's my mom's husband, but I just didn't grow up with him, so I don't always call him my stepdad, but you'll hear me talk about him. He's Claude, and, yeah. uh, I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's short, so everybody's a big foot to him, <laughs> and he goes, yeah, Rasta told me he's afraid of Sasquatch or whatever, and I was like, oh, well. We like Squatchy here. He's our guy. <laughs> yeah. He's our mascot. We've claimed him. Exactly. Sam Squanch, as they'd say on, uh, <laughs> fuck, what is it? Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> oh, I, I oh, always more think. More Canadian TV references. Oh, I guess Supernatural <laughs> it was Moose, wasn't it? For Sam. When you said yeah. Sam Squatch, mm-hmm. I thought of Supernatural. No. But that was that was Moose. Hey, I watched Supernatural. I watched all the first nine seasons and then started rewatching it and then when like up to season twelve or thirteen was on Netflix and stupid Netflix took it off halfway through my rewatch. So I hadn't even made it all the way through past season nine yet. But one day Did you know it's getting a prequel? Yeah. I heard oh, okay. all the drama surrounding that. that. That's right. Jared yeah. was like, what? I didn't hear about that. I'm, I'm gutted. I'm gutted. Yeah. And I was like, woo! <laughs> Boys. Yeah, but, don't I mean, that fight. happens. Shit happens. <laughs> yeah. Don't fight. <laughs> don't fight. Don't fight in front of the, in front of the children. <laughs> <laughs> We do all our fighting off scene. We cut that shit out. <laughs> do we ever really fight? I don't think we ever really fight. <laughs> no, um, but speaking of having to re-record the first 15 minutes of the spies segment that I was like, we need to re-record it. We were like talking about uh, um, how different recording apps are shitty and this and that and it was like I was frustrated <laughs> but we definitely like we weren't even like it's not like we were even really arguing but I was like oh yeah this is all getting cut if we use this <laughs> yeah. yeah oh shit gets to you sometimes right it's shit gets real <laughs> happens to the best of us um, okay, supernatural aside, we made it through that. We're out of our time loop. We are on episode 18. Yeah. Woo-hoo. In a little trip to Germany. Oh, and you guys were just super depressed by Kelsey's Kate's. Yay. Yeah. So. <laughs> and we took a two-day break, and now we're back to lighten the mood. <laughs> we're recovered. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've recovered. You guys might not uh, have yet. So, (laughs) I'm going to lighten it up a bit. So, this is kind of cool. I like the name of this um, case, I guess we'll call it. (laughs) Because it's kind of short. Um, Yeah, it's called The Woman Without a Face, or The Phantom of Heilbronn. Oh, should I tell you my weird news first, though? Yes, do it. Or is it too many tangents? No. My sister doesn't like chatty podcasts. Sorry, This has Reza. only been We're seven minutes. Today. This has only been seven <laughs> minutes. That's not a tangent. <laughs> tell me, tell me uh, your, I'll blame your my ADHD. Okay, so this week, some 
Twitter news thing in my email alerted me <laughs> to the fact that um, apparently the moon's orbit has developed a wobble, a bit of a wobble. And oh, the reason this is terrifying. I heard about this. Have you read about Have you? Only the headlines. <laughs> I don't know what. Oh, it... so I clicked on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like to look into the abyss because um, <laughs> it was said um, that the that'll affect the oceans and the tides and stuff because of this, you know, change to the orbit. And unfortunately, apparently by like the 2030s, we could be seeing massive flooding along the coastlines and stuff due to this wobble. And it's just like just on top of everything else that's happening because of climate change and the fact that we're letting our atmosphere get too high in overall temperature like since the industrial times yeah it's like that whole if we let like if it if the global average raises like two degrees celsius it sounds like a little bit but it's like super devastating to the way yeah. like the world's ecosystem works yeah it's just it's scary so that's why we gotta fight for the environment <laughs> yeah and it all just like you said it all really comes down to the corporations and stuff not necessarily the little people it is yeah everybody's got like that whole climate change summit that they had and you know everybody's gonna do their part and stay in it and live up to what they promised yeah and 2020 was good in a way for a while because our emissions were cut severely during the pandemic but then it's like it's back to same old, same old now, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's the depressing news. And then <laughs> on pretty much the same page, I read that on this week in good news, Britney Spears has been allowed the right to appoint her own lawyer to try and get out of her conservatorship, i.e. her father having her like as a slave. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm happy for her. That's yeah. definitely yeah something that is a win for her for sure. Yes, and she just posted something on Instagram that made me feel a little bad because during the time that everybody was speculating about her conservatorship, uh, you know, on, I've listened to many podcasts and stuff about it myself, and was real really interested in it because I'm a fan of hers. But at the same time, she said something um, on her Instagram today to the effect of. Like that, like screw the haters that made fun of her videos where she was dancing at home, and I felt bad because it, a lot of time people were speculating that she like she wasn't posting these videos; they were weird, and that her dad was doing it. And so, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Brittany. I did kind of think that the videos were a little weird too, and so I kind of judged her, and I feel bad. So, you know, we all take part when we like. I don't know, judge a celebrity or participate in cancel culture or like just yeah. assume to know something we don't without really knowing the truth. So I feel bad too because I, I thought insensitively about some of her posts as well. And I'm glad she's finally gaining some freedom or hopefully, you know, has someone on, on her side now yeah. that can better help her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole... Yeah, that was supposed to be good news. <laughs> <laughs> no, that just reminded me of, um, is it Chadwick Boseman? Is that his name? 
Yeah. When, Black Panther. Yeah, when everybody for like the last couple years before he <gasps> passed away had been saying like how skinny yeah. he was and he had had yeah. to like stop allowing people to like comment on like his social media posts and stuff about it and mm-hmm. then it comes out later that he had fucking cancer and stuff and and people were saying mean things like that he looked like he was on drugs yeah. it's so bad when we just jump to conclusions like that yeah but it's really, it's really at the same time it's really hard not to when you think you're seeing the whole picture of nature. somebody's lives you know yeah, yeah yeah it's like that whole try to remember you don't know what's happening to the other person you're talking to or what kind of day they're having. So, yeah. yeah. Everybody has their we own try. stuff going I on, try. so just be be a little For kinder sure. to everybody, I think. Yeah. And rest in peace, Chadwick. Oh, he was amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm heartbroken. <laughs> I've seen a lot more of his movies now than I probably had seen before I saw him in Black Panther. Um Oh, yeah. Did quite a few. Yeah, I saw, like, 21 Bridges, and, um, I can't remember the name of the other one I just watched recently, too, and, yeah, he he really had a lot of promise. He was uh, amazing. Yeah, I heard that 21 Bridges was supposed to be good. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a good one. Yes. I liked it. Anyway, All right, so <laughs> now we're done. <laughs> the woman without a face. <laughs> yeah, this sounds this sounds Effect. interesting. I like a good nickname. You guys know. <laughs> yeah. So, for about a decade, police in Germany, France, and Austria were searching for what they believed to be a female serial killer with ties to a handful of cold cases. Ranging from murder, car theft, breaking and entering, and some petty crimes. The whole gamut. (laughs) Oh, wow. So you did the serial killer. I didn't do the serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) I I did some things. I did. Um, So she was tied (laughs) to 40 crimes over a span of 10 years. Wow. Investigators, yeah, it's quite a lot were pretty baffled. The only link to connect these crimes was DNA evidence. She appeared to be flawlessly evading capture. Police were at a complete loss. They had no leads other than knowing that it's a female that they have DNA from, obviously. Um, In some cases, other people were convicted of some of these crimes. These convicted persons were adamant that there was no woman with them at the scene of the crime or none of them reported a female partner in crime. Oh, okay. So that was kind of odd. But they're not saying that they... started calling her... Sorry, they're not saying that they didn't do it, though? They're just saying that there was nobody else involved? I think so, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't read that any of them were like, no, it wasn't wasn't me. me. But when they were asked if there was an involvement of someone else, they said no. Oh, okay. Like, if it was a man, they were like, no, it was just me. <laughs> so the police are what, like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. The Phantom. Um, <laughs> no, it's like the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, so they started calling her the woman with no face. Her DNA was even linked to the 2007 death of policewoman uh, Michelle Kaiswetter, 
in a drive-by shooting in an area called Heilbronn. She became also she also became known as the Phantom of Heilbronn at this time because of the city where this killing took place. They ended up putting out a $400,000 reward for any information anybody might have. And they were expending a lot of manpower into this as well. So in 2009, two years after the death of this policewoman, some evidence was being tested in an investigation into a cold case involving a burned body. Lo and behold, some DNA on the burned victim's body belonged to the Phantom of Heilbronn. Oh, wow. They decided to do something. It's just bonkers. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, so decided to do a little something a little different. They retested the evidence again. This time, they used a different type of cotton swab. That's it. That's all they changed. This time, there was no phantom DNA from the the phantom of Heilbronn. Okay. <laughs> I'm so confused. What's going on? I feel like I, I know, heard... I'm like, I'm let you stew. I feel like maybe I heard something about this. But I was like, but I just can't, like, it's not clicking in my brain about why I maybe have heard of this before. I don't think I had. Yeah, it was it was news to me. I thought okay. it was kind of interesting. Continue. <laughs> so, what was up? <laughs> Investigators then looked at all the DNA samples collected from this phantom, or the woman without a face. As it turns out, they had all been collected using the same type of cotton swab the same type that they had first used to test the burn victim's DNA, the one that had shown the phantom DNA, the phantom's DNA. It's not phantom DNA, it's really DNA (laughs) from this phantom woman. So they dug deeper to confirm their now suspicions. They went to the cotton swab manufacturing company and took samples from all of the female factory workers. And they had her, the Phantom of Heilbronn. She was a simple factory worker who had worked at the cotton swab factory for decades. It was her epithelial cells on the cotton swabs connecting her to these crimes. Dun, dun, dun. That would be horrifying <laughs> if, like, you could be convicted of crimes like that. Just, like, because of, of contam... Well, I guess people every day are probably convicted of crimes Excuse because me. of contaminated DNA samples. But still. <laughs> One woman being it's linked like, to, like, 40 yeah. of them is crazy. Right. And it's basically just, like, I'm not sure what epithelial cells means exactly, but I'm, like, I'm guessing it's basically just, like, trace DNA. Like, what they... Like, like not substantial DNA from... Um, you know, uh, bodily fluids or anything. It's just like that contact kind of DNA. So it's like barely any evidence at all. <laughs> yeah. And it's been, it's been bamboozling them for years. <laughs> so the company then issued a statement in the aftermath of all this. It said, our swabs are sterile, but not certified for use in DNA analysis. So obviously, German police, and also, um, as I said, it had glommed over into Austria and France as well, so those police had also been involved. And and they were all probably a little embarrassed that this had taken so long to discover. (laughs) 
A factory worker in Austria was also found to have accidentally transferred her DNA as well in a similar instance. <laughs> oh, wow. So now there are higher standards, yeah, in place in these countries for which material are used in criminal investigations. I should hope so. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, you know, if they had recognized that their things weren't sterile or whatever, then police probably in all these places shouldn't really have been using them in the first place then. Yeah, it's too bad it took such a big, long, like, mistake for this to come out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oopsies. We never thought it could have been something like this. We thought we had, like, a literal serial killer. So that one wasn't really a serial killer. <laughs> tricked ya. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You tricked me good. Uh, <laughs> and then... I thought about covering, you know, that police officer I mentioned that was killed in 2007, and they thought she was connected? Yeah. Because the phantom's DNA was found then, too. I thought about digging more into her actual killers, but that would have been also very sad, because it turns out that she was killed in a hate crime, in a series of hate crimes targeting Turkish people. Oh. Like... Yeah, know, like 10 people died or something and I was like oh that's also very sad yeah and I didn't really want to get into that that's fair but after the the child murder we just yeah after you I guess had already knew what my case was you didn't want to bring it to even downer <laughs> no I didn't but I decided we better mention at least one serial killer instead of just teasing people. So I do have a little bit about someone called the Sandman of Lubeck. Sorry the about Sandman. it. <laughs> yeah. I, this sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't think I know actually anything about it. It's hard with nicknames. Sometimes they sound familiar to me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes they're used more than once is the thing, too, in, like, different countries. That's true. Yeah. So this was a man named Adolf uh, Seafelt. He was born March 6, 1870. So he was a Pisces, but we don't want him to say it. <laughs> <laughs> he was the youngest of seven kids. It is rumored that he suffered abuse as young as age 12, and possibly was even abused by two different men. So that sucks if that's true, but I couldn't find much more information. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. He trained as a locksmith and as a watchmaker, so he repaired clocks and things. He moved to Lubeck in 1890 and married a lady named Katerina Seafelt. They later divorced in 1910. So, like, five years into his marriage, at age 25, he was arrested for sexually harassing a young boy. So he sucks. Yeah, sounds like it. Feel free to hate him. I will. Yeah. It gets worse. So, (laughs) he abused and killed at least 12 boys during the Third Reich. So people were a bit preoccupied with the Nazis at the time, but that still sucks. And that's pretty shitty that he got away with that many. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Most of the victims were found in pine preservations, so remote areas with dense woods. 
that made it harder to catch him. This is also creepy. They all wore sailor suits, kind of like Robert the Doll's outfit. Oh. Was that something he dressed them up as, or that's what he picked them based on? I couldn't find out. This one didn't have a lot of information. Yeah. That's why, I don't know, I did a couple different little divey dives, I guess. (laughs) Oh, okay. Not a dive, just a little belly flop. Just a belly flop. (laughs) (laughs) Not too far in. Um, so I don't know, but it's gross, and they didn't show any signs of real violence on their bodies. A few looked like they might have been strangled, but most were fairly unmarked. So that was kind of weird. They were young, young boys, so from toddlers up to the, like the age of 12. Wow. And how many, you said, were there? There were 12. Wow. It said at least 12, yeah. Yeah, this guy's a dick. Um, Oh, totally. Probably why I also didn't want to spend too long talking about him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was like, I thought you were saying when you said it was going to be lighter. It was like that way after the Australia one, and you're like, mine's cool. And then it like had some ice cream, but it also had people being hacked apart with swords. Yeah. <laughs> it was the weirdest turf war in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, so police speculated that he must have made his own chloroform or poison and probably smothered his victims. And that would probably explain the lack of signs of any struggle. They thought he drugged them, sexually abused them, and then left them for dead. And they mostly died of, like, hypothermia. That's really sad. Yeah, that's awful. So he was thankfully convicted on February 22nd, 1936, and sentenced to death. The executioner who visited him the day before he was to be put to death said he was eager to be beheaded by the guillotine. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So am I, buddy. Yeah, I would be eager to chop your head off personally, (laughs) bud. Yeah. And just a little last fun fact is he had a son from his marriage, and that son was sent to a lunatic asylum at the age of 19 for, quote, moral crimes. So he probably Uh, wasn't great either. Yeah, he probably caught the crazy. (laughs) Probably. Um, So, now for some more ear bleach, let's call it. (laughs) That's like a sandwich effect. I did a little funny, sort of, and then a little crime bad, and then a little funny. Okay, I'm I'm ready for a funny. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to play a little game. Do you want to play a game? No, I can't do the voice. <laughs> it's I... about German laws. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Am I going to win points for the one I already talked about, or about being a code, co-defendant? Yeah, from mine. Where... Or in your case? Yeah, where the brother so got to ago. be... <laughs> or a co-plaintiff, sorry. Oh, right, because they were, like, part of the family of the victim. Yeah. That was neat. That was different. 
Yeah, these are some kind of weird ones. That's why it's going to be like a, you try and guess if they're true or false, like fact or fiction. Okay. <laughs> Play along, people. See if you can do better than Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to keep score? You keep score. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's my prize if I win? False. Uh <laughs> oh. I, get I have to edit the next five episodes? No. <laughs> no. I wouldn't do that. I get a gold star. I get a gold star. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. And then I have to say whatever you want me to say. Oh, my God. I had an ex who would play um, crib with this old man neighbor down the street and whoever lost to stand up on a chair and repeat after the other person. <laughs> <laughs> it made it interesting. <laughs> Sure. Okay. So, it's illegal to run out of gas on the Autobahn. Do you know what the Autobahn is? Is that that really fast highway? Yeah, it runs through Germany and like... Do whatever speed you fucking want. And sounds like my absolute <laughs> worst nightmare. Exactly. Me too. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. So, it was... It is illegal to run out of gas on the Autobahn. I feel like that's true, because it's probably extremely dangerous. Correct! Ding, 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 ding! <laughs> One point. Yes. <laughs> so, I have driving on Germany's speed limitless highway is a little daunting, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense that you don't want to be pulling off to the side of the road at all. And then I went to their website, and there was other rules and recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> that include no passing on the right, double check your blind spot and side mirrors, unless you want to die. <laughs> Their words, no. <laughs> Slow traffic keep to the right, <laughs> always use your blinkers, um, and obey the speed limit. There are stretches of highway that have a recommended speed limit of 130 kilometers or about 80 miles. But there are many spots that do have a limit, and they have been getting longer over the years. This is typically in the urban areas, where it's like 120 kilometers or lower. Yeah. Which, I mean, that doesn't seem too crazy, considering there's like a highway, what is it? Um, The one highway near us that's like 110 or 120, I think. Oh, yeah, it's that on the Yellowhead, a lot yeah. of places, yeah. It's even 70 on the Yellowhead through the city. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but, yeah, they also say, take a break every two hours. It's draining. I'm like, holy shit, I would have died if I'd driven on there for two hours. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty nerve-wracking, <sighs> I think. Oh, my God. Uh, go with the flow. You will be passed aggressively and cut off. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be fun. Oh my god. And then <laughs> it just said that I liked what uh, their little name for traffic jams. The German name is Stau, <laughs> like rhymes with cow. Stau. Jam. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think Russell's going to love all these little German names, uh, but I don't know how to say them. Rettungsgas Rettungsgas is the emergency vehicle lane 
where everybody must move as far left and as far right as possible when there's, you know, like an ambulance coming or whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's basically what we do, too. Except people don't always do it well. (laughs) Sometimes it's really hard to figure out where they're going and where you should be going so that you're not in their way. Because sometimes you could accidentally put yourself more in their way. That's right. Like, I think here it's more that you're... I thought everybody was more supposed to move to the right lane. But, again, it doesn't always seem to work that way. Yeah. Um, and then another fun fact was that it, it, the article was like, you'd think that people would be a little more careful because German licenses can cost up to $3,000 to obtain. Oh, really? <laughs> like, wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't know if that includes, like, driving school or what, but... There are some places, like, in BC and stuff, when you have your driver's license, that counts as having insurance attached to it. So they might have something like that, where they're just including the cost of insurance rates in that, and then even if you don't have a vehicle, you're now legally allowed to drive anybody's vehicle. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they have it, like, with the... Mm. And then you just, like, renew your plates every year, but when you renew your driver's license, like, your insurance rates are based on your driver's license. And how many years you've had your license, even if you haven't owned a vehicle. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool and a lot more useful than, like, Canada, or than, like, Alberta's way of doing it, which only counts the years that you actually legally owned a vehicle in your own name. Oh, because I always heard that if you were on someone else's insurance, the, like the longer you had insurance, the better as well. Or yeah. Something like that. Yeah. See, that's how you have to do it, like oh. in Alberta, but in BC, just as long as you had, and some other provinces too, just as long as you had a driver's license, you were considered that you had gained those many years of experience driving. So, <laughs> what if you had a beginner's license like I did for a really long time? <laughs> and I had passed the test once in New Brunswick, but I had never gotten my full non-beginners. You could have, yeah, then it counts for nothing. They they don't count. Yeah, you could have your, your like, a learner's license for, like, 15 years, but until you get, like, your actual, yeah. you can drive by yourself license, they aren't going to even count a single year of that. Yeah, which I had technically passed the test it's a long story but it hadn't been issued but they wouldn't release yes that's right because they wouldn't issue it till me until i paid the rest of my driver's education which was stupid but anyway i eventually got it yeah but i had forgotten how to drive in the meantime so (laughs) it's probably good that they don't just like say here you go (laughs) yeah anyway it's all good. I can drive now, people. So, <laughs> oh, so that's the last little bit about the Autobahn is, yes, you do want to fuel up before you jump on, or you may be fined, or you might end up in a nationwide database of traffic violators, the Verkus Undercartei. That's probably wrong. <laughs> that's what they call their traffic sinner card file. Oh my gosh, that sounds intense. I love how Germans have a word for everything. Yeah. It's awesome. I like how it includes Um, the word sinner and traffic. The traffic sinners. It's so great. 
I know, that's probably why it's such a long word. I'm like, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> and then, like, isn't it German, too, where they have that word for... Uh, uh, when, when you laugh at someone else's misfortune. Oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. There's oh, a word probably. for it? Sch- Schadenfreude. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Anywho. I have no idea. <laughs> I hope that's not part of the quiz. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. But it is part of a, um, oh, where did I hear that most recently? I always want to call her Janis Joplin and that's not right. It's in a Joan Jett song. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, you're like, whatever. I know I'm full of useless trivia. So law number two, it's forbidden to work in an office without a window. True or false? I probably, I think that's true. Uh, it is false. Um, (laughs) it is often reported as true. However, the law simply states that offices have to have moderate temperatures and sufficient airflow. Okay. So it's like, probably people think it's true a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Three, it is for forbidden to keep urns at home. Like urns as in with ashes um, cremated. I think that's probably true. Is that, is that true? Yes! No. Check! Um, it says, or they said, the German law of Friedhofswang or cemetery compulsion says that any <laughs> remains be deposit must be deposited and kept in a designated space, either a cemetery or a proper burial at sea. And originally this was done for hygienic reasons, and in some places it has relaxed a bit. So you're now able to in the city of Bremen, uh you're permitted to scatter ashes on your own private property provided it's not too windy and they won't be blown into their your neighbors' yards. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's very conscientious and thoughtful. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be like standing on like your balcony and somebody's just chucking cremated remains out a window and it's just hitting hitting you. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like when you throw a cigarette out of a car window. You're like, it could hit somebody. You don't know. It's not good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so number oh was that four? Wait, that was three. Yeah. Wait. Then I have these numbered wrong. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> On the paper, it's numbered wrong. Oh, I'm so smart. <laughs> okay, so number four. <laughs> it is illegal to hang laundry on Sunday. Uh, so weird. I feel like that's true. It's false. Ah, darn. It's a myth. <laughs> I I thought it would be something so to do with like the um resting on Sunday thing that a lot of religions do. Apparently, yeah, it does have some roots in that, I guess. Nope. And 
a lot of people seem to believe it's still or that it's a law but um, what I, from what I read it was that some regulations may have existed in some places or certain apartment buildings but it's more of a yeah that it's you know religious people see it as a day of rest or what have you so it's more of a a practice than a law <laughs> oh, okay yeah um so yeah that's not a law so number five i guess <laughs> yeah it, it's illegal to sing the first verse of the german national anthem these are tricky i have to admit <laughs> to sing the first verse yes of the german national anthem i know right like what the fuck like just and stop there or just sing it at all sing it at all i guess so I have the, no for idea. a hint <laughs> okay yes i'd like to hint i for would like to phone a friend <laughs> the um under the nazis only the first verse was ever sung and it begins with germany germany above everything Okay, then I say true. <laughs> oh, it's false. Really? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I I feel like from what I learned about Germany and stuff and like the stuff that they did to kind of um like I don't know if reparations is the right word and stuff for like to distance themselves. Yeah, but they, it seems like at the same time they really took, like, ownership for what happened with all their memorials they have and all their museums they have set up and that they don't try and, like, hide it away like some other countries do and stuff. I feel like they would have, like, changed their national anthem and, or made it illegal to sing that part. I feel like that just would have been part of it. So I'm kind of shocked that it's not considering everything else they've done i know yeah there definitely does seem to be there could be a logic behind it if it was um illegal yeah um but you're right it's yeah it's like i don't know they shouldn't be embarrassed because you look at the nazis and you can just but you just look at that time period and you have to know that like it doesn't take much for any normal person to like you know what i mean like give in to their evil side or whatever because we're all just human beings (laughs) yeah but yeah that's so the explanation is the lead der deutschen or song of the germans has been the national anthem since 1922 and then like i said under the nazis only the first verse was ever sung that began with germany germany above everything um, and then after the end of the war, it was actually banned by the Allies for a time. And they oh, were okay. like, no, too soon. <laughs> so, to sum up, it's not illegal, but perhaps it does carry a certain stigma that people might not want to. They might skip that one if they're out at the pub singing. I don't know. Germany yeah. listeners, let us know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Okay. So that was five. Okay, so six is, it's forbidden to make noise at lunchtime. <laughs> what? Okay, that has to be false. That's like impossible. <laughs> it is. It's false. Okay, good. It says, <laughs> or rather, there have been some regulations around this, 
Mitagsru, quiet time around lunch, in the past. However, it remains an unspoken rule more than anything. It's more like a custom. Be, be oh. kind of quiet around lunchtime. People be napping. <laughs> okay, I can see that. But to have a law be like, don't make any noise. Don't talk. I don't want to hear you breathe. How dare you right? make conversation. Yeah, like... Sit at your tables by yourself in silence. <laughs> exactly. Um, so number seven is... A pillow is considered a passive weapon. <laughs> also, this one's a bit of a trick question, so maybe I should just tell you that it's it's neither true nor false. It's unclear. It said <laughs> that it seems to stem from a case where a man lost a tooth in a pillow fight and he tried to sue his opponent. Oh my gosh. And... <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Other than that... Yeah, the author of the article wasn't sure, so they asked for any feedback in the comments, and somebody in the comments named Disky on Drogon said that they thought they found the law where it pertained to this. Um, it said... It's forbidden by law, blah, 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 to wear or use Schutzwaffen during a political demonstration or strike. And a shoots or Schutzwaffen, something like that, is basically any sort of armor, shield, helmet, or anything that will make it more difficult for the police to arrest you during a riot situation. If you go <laughs> protesting in a bulletproof vest and other protective gear, wearing a motorcycle helmet and combat boots, the law assumes you were definitely planning and preparing to riot, because why else would you do that? Stuffing a pillow under your shirt before joining a fistfight with the other political party or the police could be considered a makeshift armor sort of thing, maybe, theoretically. Oh That's my what God. they said. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah. This pillow, Not, this uh... fluffy pillow is my body armor. I am Bubble Boy. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bubble Boy. Um, so that one doesn't really, There's, there's no way to know. <laughs> number eight sorry number eight is it's forbidden to wear masks in public i feel Which, like that one's true this was written i recently heard that about another country mm, okay i can't remember it's who, false though. oh oh okay <laughs> it said that it is forbidden to hide your identity during marches or rallies. Yeah. But it's not specific to masks. Yeah. Okay. So that was kind of hard. And then, uh, number nine, I guess, saying do to a police officer will cost you. Oh, I switched the order of those. Maybe that's why I was so confused. <laughs> so this is addressing a person in second person singular. So, to help explain, our version might look like saying, excuse me, please, sir, versus saying, like, hey, you! <laughs> like, saying oh. do to a police officer, I think, is, like, addressing them kind of more like, hey, you, it's more informal. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, I feel like that one's we're so weird. It's gotta be true. It's gotta be true that that's illegal. Yes, yes, that one's true. Yeah. <gasps> So, so actually, this was kind of fun because there's a sliding scale sort of fine system for swearing. 
and stuff. Oh, God. And it was all in German, but it was like a catalog of finds that you could find. So it was like different things like sticking out your tongue. I don't think that was specific to add a police officer, but I'm, I was kind of confused. But that'll cost you 150 euros. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they have this have like logged. <laughs> yes, great. if you say do imagine it means you girl and you get two hundred dollar fine, two hundred <laughs> euro. If you say Beckloptor, it means crazier and you get two hundred and fifty dollars, two hundred and fifty euro. <laughs> Okay. I'm saying this all wrong. It's just like you get pulled you over say, by a police officer and you check how much money's in your wallet and I'd like to buy a vowel, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to buy an insult. Right, different. <laughs> oh, yeah, and because we issued international driving permits at work, people would tell us all about in different countries where they'd just prefer you pay them off. Like, I think, like, in maybe, like, Mexico and places like that. They're more prone to bribes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. If you say, oh, this is a fun one. Lick Mick Doc, or Lick Me, it's 300 euros. <laughs> I thought that was going to be Lick My something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But I, know, I was putting them into Google Translate, so if these are translated wrong, I'm sorry, Ressa oh, okay. and our German listeners. <laughs> <laughs> if you say, Du bloods schwein. It means you stupid pig, and it'll cost you four seventy five. Smackaroonies. <laughs> I love it. I love all uh, of these. Uh, <laughs> it makes me so happy. I know, and I have to try and say them too because I'm a weirdo. Hast du bloods we nick besser zutun? Means you stupid woman. Have you nothing better to do? <laughs> five hundred euros. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Was wills do, do Vogel, means what do you want, you bird? Also 500. <laughs> what do you want, you bird? <laughs> I guess. Is that it's bird as in, like, woman? Vogel. Like, calling a bird a woman? I don't know. It actually reminds me of the Swedish word for bird. <laughs> the bird, bird, bird. Bird is the word. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Asocialer means antisocial, I guess, and we'll get you five fifty. What? Zero fine. I oh don't my know. gosh! Antisocial? Uh, antisocial? Something like that. Uh, your hat wall D son does Guren Verbrandt is the sun must have burned your brain for six hundred euros. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And then we have einen police den Dusen, referring to a policeman. I don't know why that would be offended, offensive, but that'll cost you 600 euros. <laughs> oh, good to know. Um, yeah, actually some of these aren't so easy to understand. Du Halskopf means you idiot and we'll get you $750 fine. <laughs> I feel like uh, some of the other ones oh. were a little bit worse than to say you idiot. I know. And then you have to actually give the finger uh, or flip the actual bird. Excuse me, is 750 euros. <laughs> By der peeps wall when... Oh, wait, did that one make any sense? When you beeps 
Nope, I don't know what that means. Nope, I'm not even going to try. 750 euros, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have written down when you beeps, probably. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I wrote it. Um, and Wisher guest is a windshield wiper gesture it said in google translate i don't know why that's offensive <laughs> okay <laughs> doing it's the sprinkler fine i don't know i know like a weird dance move um <laughs> oh this is fun to say stink finger zygon which <laughs> just said to show your finger so i guess it's also giving the middle finger but this will cost you four thousand euros so it must be a really bad middle finger Wow. <laughs> it's a lot. The extreme um, middle yeah, finger. This... Right. I know a lot of them have like uh big speed fines and stuff too in Europe, but yeah, these are these are woof. Uh do witcher means you wanker and it'll cost you a thousand euros. Uh oh. <laughs> Am Liebsen word ich Jess Arschloch Zerdes. Zagen means I would love to say asshole to you now. <laughs> Do I have your permission? <laughs> 1600 euros. We're going down in euros for some reason. Ooh, apparently schlampe means slut for 1900 euros. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the weirdest uh, <laughs> Jeopardy Scrabble game ever. I know. I'll take Fizes Mistuck for 25 hundred means nasty bitch (laughs) (laughs) and finally alta sow sow for 2500 euros which means old pig (laughs) oh you have to specify the age of the pig (laughs) exactly i love it oh and by the way you got what did we have nine one two three four five six seven well, seven didn't count. Seven, eight. We had eight questions and you got four right. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I got 50%. <laughs> I felt like I was getting every second one right. <laughs> it was, I don't know. I failed. I like, you know me, I like quizzes. I used to like doing the quizzes when we had the book club, making yeah. up stupid answers. And stuff. <laughs> it's harder than you think sometimes to make up, yeah. like, believable answers. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, that's my case. (laughs) I enjoyed it. Very funny. I like it. The best true crime case ever is just German insults (laughs) that you can say to a cop for varying amounts of money. (laughs) Languages are fun. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Uh, that reminds me of a cool episode I heard of um, Night Classy where one of them covered like swear words and then they did fun different swear words from around the world. Oh my god. Even like French, like, you know, even in Canada, French swears are like tabernacle and things that translate to like church and like cow or thing, you know, like, yeah. (laughs) Some of them just don't really make any sense. They're all religious. Or you could go. Swear words are fun. (laughs) Just all the way back to like all the Shakespeare insults, like calling somebody a fish, fishmonger or something. (gasps) Yes, I always love the Monty Python one. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. <laughs> Which, yeah. like, I kind of love elderberries, but anyway. <laughs> well, this has been oh, Germany, so what, true yes. crime. 
uh, what are we up to next week? Next time. Next week. time is cryptids? Question mark. It is. I'm looking yeah. at my list, and we are doing Canadian some, cryptids. Some guys. Canadian cryptids, yeah. I. It's exciting. Yeah, I have a couple, a couple ones I'm covering, and then some. A little cryptid related thing that happened in in Canada. Ooh. Yeah, it's related. It's kind of funny. And I think it'll be right up your alley. I think you'll be excited. Nice. I'm excited. It's about time we do another cryptids one. And Yeah. There's actually a lot more in Canada, because we embarrassingly couldn't remember any last time we talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was happy yeah. to find out one of my all-time favorite cryptids. Um, it's not specific to Canada, but is definitely found in Canada, so I got to complete my research in doing it, Ooh. which I was very excited about, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to share that with everybody. Yeah, it's okay if we do some ones that have dual citizenship. Yeah. Sometimes they hang around the U.S. and Canada. They yeah, don't, they, don't, they don't see borders. Yeah, they don't <laughs> recognize borders. They don't pay at toll booths. They don't care about welcome signs. No. Yeah, Bigfoot's hanging out in the national parks and the border of BC and Alberta. He's not like, whoa, well, I'm in BC. Whoa, well, now I'm in Alberta. <laughs> I'm going to go to yeah. one of those places where I can be in three pro places at once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so thanks for listening. Yes. We may have mentioned it, I think, in the last episode. Um, but we are looking or wanting to do kind of a ask us anything. So if you guys want to submit some yeah. questions to us, you can hit us up on any social media, really. You can message us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, you can also email us. at Gmail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you want your question to have your name attached to it please include that and then at some other point we're also wanting to do or start sharing some listener stories so it could be true crime a ghost or maybe you saw your own cryptid that you can also reach out to us on social media or by email and if you send yeah. us a story it's most likely if it's good it's going to get read during an episode segment at some point um so if you could include a name whether it's just anonymous or if you want your own name or your real name or a made-up name just send it along with the story yeah and they and they're all probably going to be good i mean all you yeah. have to do is tell us what happened <laughs> exactly. as long as it's got some creepy element or whatever or like i don't know i love reading all sorts of stories haunted Give confessions us... just you knew a murderer. <laughs> yeah, Whatever. give us a couple sentences to a couple paragraphs. Doesn't need to be... We don't want super, super short one-sentence things, because I feel like that's kind of hard, but... Yeah, send us a little story. No, but also I always hear people talk about listener stories and they'll say things like, I'm sorry, this is so long, but it's never long. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's fine, it's fine. Just send it. If we have to cut it, if we have to shorten it or something, we will do that. You yeah. Know. So yeah, please, please, please. And then and rate and review. 
Yeah. If you're on iTunes, give us a review. That would really, really help us out. <laughs> and subscribe wherever you're following us or listening to this right now. Yeah. I do think it. that's everything. Well, catch yeah. you guys for and thank some you. Canadian cryptids next week. They're going to be Canuck as fuck. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye bye. This has been Castles and Cryptids. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and our YouTube channel. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. On our website, you can listen to all of our episodes as well as view pictures for each of our segments. Check out our Patreon page to view all of our tiers and become a Patreon supporter today to unlock monthly bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes content. We are working on an Ask Us Anything. You can submit questions by social media or by email at castlesencryptids at gmail.com. Do you have a spooky ghost story, a creepy cryptid sighting, or a thrilling true crime tale you would like to share and have us include in a future episode? Send us your listener story by social media or by email. Please include the name that you would like mentioned. Our music is by Kobe Fair. Our logo and artwork is by Antonio Garcia. Thanks for listening. <laughs>